Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. I want to tell people to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is it's a romance between Quentin Tarantino and uh, television and movies the way they used to be. I thought so. you were going to say it's a romance between Quentin Tarantino and Margot Robbie's feet, which is also an accurate description. <laughs> At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz begins now. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Oh, oh boy. Uh, this, by the way, is the one that catches you up on things like movies, television, oh, that. and entertainment. Mm. And please, without any further delay, let's welcome the arbiter of good taste from Vulture and WTOP, Jen Cheney. That seems like a lot of pressure. <laughs> She's that arbiter of good taste. And now, the the Lazarus of film critics. That's right. <laughs> the guy has come back from the dead so many times, we've lost count. We can only be talking about Arch Campbell. The Phoenix is my middle name. <laughs> Here we are. And Joaquin is his first. <laughs> You're my favorite, Joaquin Phoenix. I'd like a copy of that acceptance speech. <laughs> Not. So, uh, so here we are. It's uh, the week after the big week, and uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was a huge success this As weekend. As you predicted last week. Well, yeah. Uh, Birds of Prey, not so much. Birds of Prey is in second place and has made $62 million since it opened. And I don't know, call me wacky, I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, I liked it well enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm a little surprised it's not doing better than it is, but I don't know if that was the name or uh, or what, what is going on there. But As Barack Obama said to Hillary Clinton, Uh-oh. you're likable enough. <laughs> it's likable enough. So, okay, I guess that's it. Uh, the great movies still in theater. Since this is kind of a this kind of a light week mm-hmm. for movies opening, other than uh, what's the deal on this Harrison Ford thing? So I'm actually seeing that this evening. Mm-hmm. It's the Call of the Wild, yeah. uh, based on the Jack London story. Mm-hmm. Um, except that, as I recall, the dogs in the Jack London story were not CGI <laughs> in the book. <laughs> And that's that's been a lot of the talk around this film is how they technically made it come together. Uh, and there's been some real mixed opinions on it, although the reviews have been more positive than not. So I'm I'm interested to see it. Um, I'll always watch Harrison Ford in almost anything. We I think Harrison Ford is really is the draw because mm-hmm. he's you don't see a lot of him anymore. And and that kind of a classic sounds like uh, sound. When did they make Call of the Wild the first time? Was it a, was it silent? Oh God! Silent no. or talky? I don't think so. Did they? <laughs> talky. <laughs> well, it's also this is a movie. It's rated PG. It mm-hmm. is the kind of thing you could take your kid to see, presumably. Uh, I don't know how how much damage is done to the dogs or what happens to the dogs. So I'm saying that before I've seen this version. But um, but it it has a potential to be something you could at least take an older kid to see. I th- I think it's uh, an easy prediction that uh, Call of the Wild will be number one or number two mm-hmm. next week. I wanted to ask, since it is a uh, kind of a light week, if you and I could come up with five movies each that are still in theaters that we would recommend to our loyal podcast listeners. Okay. Do you uh, have five uh, on your mind? Uh, Well, I have three, and I can probably come up with two as I speak. Three is the new five, you know. (laughs) I've seen that show, and it's really good. (laughs) Uh, So... 
one is obvious, but um, Parasite, which won yeah. Best Picture, yeah. Best Director, yeah. Best Screenplay, uh, you know, they, they've increased the number of theaters that it's showing in, uh, understandably. So if you haven't seen it yet, it's actually easier to see it now uh, in theaters. And I, I do recommend doing that. Do not be do not be afraid of the subtitles, which I thought, you know, who's really afraid of subtitles? Me. Then, Me. Good Lord. Uh, and then... Uh. <laughs> I was at dinner the other night, and uh, there was a table next to me with what appeared to be a daughter, like a college-age daughter, mm-hmm. and her parents. And I just heard her say, I'm not watching Parasite. It's not in English. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I, over the years, I have gotten used to watching subtitles. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, we just watched it last weekend. Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic film. Did it blow you away? I, I mean, I was kept waiting, and I don't want to give it away for those who might be listening who don't really know the complete storyline, but we were waiting for the, the darkness to move in, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly did, but I, I, and, and I, get, I always just get a little nervous on that kind of stuff, but I thought overall it was deserving of all the, all the uh, Oscars it won. It was for really sure. very good. Back in the day, and I said this last week, Going to a foreign film with subtitles used to be cool. You right. know, the French New Wave and the God Created Woman and the John Paul Belmondo and uh, Truffaut. When Truffaut opened a movie, it was always uh, the cool thing to go see. Uh, so, you know, I don't understand it. I can think of five or six movies right off the top of my head that just thrilled me and that I still remember and that were subtitled. Mm-hmm. There's one called Cold War a couple of years ago. Did you see that? I don't think it, so. It was as good. It was sort of a, it was a Casablanca-like story. And in the lives of others about the German secret police mm-hmm. during the communist regime was just uh, as thrilling as a thriller can be. And uh, and Parasite is right up there with it. Roma is another one. Mm-hmm. Roma from La- Roma was my favorite film last year. So yeah, I mean, and Bong Joon Ho. Uh, speaking of cool, he's been a cool filmmaker for quite some time. Yeah, he made and the Snow rest of the mainstream. Yes, and which, Old Boy, and the rest uh-huh. of the mainstream is just catching up to that fact. The interesting, I, w- w- I know he's going to do a, a limited series, uh, Parasite-like. But well, I w- if, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. Adam McKay is doing it with his input. So I don't oh. know like to what extent it's truly Bong Joon-ho's and to what extent it isn't. But in any case. I want to know what his next movie is. Because yeah. I want to see his next movie. Yeah. Because wh- to see what he can do now that he's got carte blanche. Parasite, by the way, was the number eight movie last week. And has made about $45 million so far in America. Mm-hmm. And we wish it well. So, yeah. Parasite. Parasite. Knives Out, if it's still uh, mm-hmm. in a theater near mm-hmm. you. I know mm-hmm. that came out a while ago. But I think it's just a very satisfying mystery, thriller, comedy, uh, dark comedy, I would say. They're going to make a sequel. Yeah, I they're going to make a sequel. Um, we talked about that last week, I think. So, if you want to be up on it before the, the sequel gets in, into production, <laughs> now's a good time to go see that. Was it going to be knives further out? <laughs> knives still out. Um, and this is not in theaters anymore. In fact, it came out almost a year ago uh, at this point. But if you didn't see Us, the Jordan Peele film, mm-hmm. uh, I still feel that Lupita Nyong'o should have been nominated and probably won the Oscar for her performance in that movie. It's a horror film, yes, but it's a very sophisticated, thought-provoking horror film. And for people who sometimes are like a little afraid to see horror movies in the theater, if you watch mm-hmm. it at home, maybe that makes it a little more palatable for you. But that's a smart one uh, that I recommend. Well, and he made Get Out because... Get Out advanced the horror movie. 
It mm-hmm. wasn't just the normal uh, monster jumping out of the closet and eating somebody alive. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Get Out was really creative. And us, there's an interior aspect of us that uh, that leaves you thinking, how do you think of that? How did yeah. they do that? Yeah. Get Out is more straightforward. Like you come out of mm-hmm. that movie and you, you get what the metaphors right. are. With us, you, you have to think about it more. And that's actually what I like about it, that there are a lot of different ways to interpret what he's saying. So let's do three. And I would just... Uh, <laughs> that's the, that's, let's not hurt, hurt ourselves here. Let's only do three. Uh, let me throw Little Women into the mix and tell you not to forget that. And uh, because uh, Greta Gerwig... I think is a director to watch, mm-hmm. and uh, she makes Little Women uh, come alive for the current generation. There are touches of other kind of films in this that made it accessible, particularly to, you know, I didn't particularly want to see it, but the mix of music and storytelling and the way she uh, toggles back and forth with it, uh, it's it's very satisfying to watch. And Jojo Rabbit is another one, which I think received best uh, adapted. adapted screenplay. Yeah. Another completely creative uh, film. And you might be able to download that. Yeah, it is available now on demand, I believe. And then my third one, I'm going to mention Just Mercy mm. with uh, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Just a, an uplifting, positive story of... Um, the lawyer in Mississippi who uh, takes on death row inmates uh, who uh, are uh, unjustly uh, uh, imprisoned. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got. All, right. so, all good recommendations. All right. Oh, Harrison Ford and a CGI dog. What's that going to be like? I'll find out in a few hours. There is a <laughs> lot of action on uh, television, and you're going to bring us you're going to bring us yep. up to date on that yes there's a lot of stuff to watch this weekend if you don't go to the movies Ooh, okay lewis we'll get to all of that in just a moment you're listening to the cats podcasting system <laughs> So, Jen, I'm anxious to tell you, mm-hmm. I've realized now that I'm exactly five years behind the times. You've pinpointed it to the actual minute. Yes. Exactly I, how far behind. Well, I've pinpointed it to the year. The year is uh, <laughs> 2014, when okay. BoJack Horseman started. I watched like one episode every now and then. I never got into it. Because of you, I've started watching it and I've been binging it. And I think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's such deep satire uh, mixed with drama <laughs> that uh, I'm I'm completely uh, obsessed. Oh, awesome. I'm glad to hear that. The voice work has ruined other animation for me. <laughs> In fact, I sit there with an iPad and look up uh, whose voices are, are doing which characters. The voice cast on it is just unbelievable. And the it's Hollywood. Right. And it's the a, D fell off the Hollywood sign. It's a... <laughs> It's a, a world where humans and animals and birds and fish and fowl all live together, interact together, have sex with each other, have relationships, and um, and everybody thinks it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's that world. Uh, how, what season are you in at this point? I'm just starting the third season. Okay, okay. So I'll give you a heads up. 
I think it's season three. Mm-hmm. I don't. Th- have, you haven't seen the episode where Bojack goes to the film festival yet, have you? Not yet. No. Okay, he goes to a film festival that's entirely in the city that's underwater, and it's just <laughs> like if, even if you didn't watch the whole show, uh-huh. like you could watch that episode alone and be like, "Oh mm-hmm. my god, I've never seen an episode of TV quite like this." It's so clever and creative. So. Long time ago, there was a sort of an underground animator named Sally Crookshank, I think. And mm-hmm. I forget the name of her character, but you saw a lot of her artwork. And she uh, produced a cartoon called Don't Go in the Basement. Did mm. you ever see that? It sounds really familiar, but I don't remember seeing it. And, you know, it was one of those early 80s, post-70s pieces. And Bojack uh, builds on that. So mm. so thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Now tell me, <laughs> what do I watch when I'm through with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you want to watch this or not, but I'm going to talk about it uh, because it's dropping uh, this weekend, and that's this new Amazon series, Hunters, which has gotten a lot of promotion. It was uh, had a commercial during the Super Bowl. It was advertised a lot during NFL games. It's um, Pacino. It's Al Pacino. It's set in 1977. It's like he and a band of, of Nazi hunters trying to track down former you know Nazi officers who have now moved to the U.S. and are living underground and may be trying to start a Fourth Reich uh, on U.S. soil. Ooh. Yes, it sounds like a fun premise, doesn't it? <laughs> well. Um, That'll never happen. <laughs> the problem is it's... Tonally, it is just so all over the place. And first of all, uh, I think it's hard to make any kind of a, a film or show about the Holocaust and and do sort of a wild tone with it. I mean, mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit did it, I think, successfully, yeah. but it was helped by the fact that it was from the perspective of a young boy who would have an unrealistic view of what the Nazis are, perhaps. You know, this has moments that just feel stolen straight out of Tarantino, where they, you know, it's it's like the Fox Force 5 of Nazi hunters. There's mm-hmm. the nun, and there's the Black Power woman, <laughs> and there's the Vietnam veteran, and... and uh, Carol Kane and um, I can't remember the actor who plays her husband who were Holocaust survivors who are badasses. Like it just it has that sort of humor and action. But then you have flashbacks to things that happened in the concentration camps that inform your knowledge of who the people are that they're looking for. And they're very serious, sincerely done scenes. And you just get kind of a lot of whiplash doing this or watching this so i wanted to like it more than i did uh, I, I will say and this is a crazy thing to say this most subtle thing in it is al pacino <laughs> because he's not his accent i can't tell if it's german or polish it's or just some eastern european mix but he's not you know a blustery explosive figure he's he, he plays his intensity very much in like in whispers and and on a mm. on a low simmer mm. and um and I do enjoy watching him Logan Lerman who plays uh Jonah whose grandmother is killed and he sort of gets pulled into this group he's very good so some of the actors in it are good but just a lot of it just comes so close and misses the mark mm. Mm. I'm sure a lot of people will watch it and love it anyway but that that was my feeling about it I'm excited that Better Call Saul is uh, coming back I've I've been obsessed with that I was obsessed with Breaking Bad in fact after Breaking Bad stopped we started with episode one and binged the whole series again Mm -hmm. and uh, and then for Better Call Saul the prequel that's 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I know what a great show it is, but if I go, you know, in between seasons, I'm watching other stuff and I, then I come back to Better Call Saul. I, it's like, I'm watching it like the level of precision and mm. carefulness and specificity in every single moment of that show on the part of the actors, on the part of the production designers, on the part of the writers, everybody, the direction on that show is impeccable. Uh, and so for those of you who may not remember where things left, this is the fifth season that starts on Sunday and it's the next to last season because the last season season will be the sixth and at the end of last season was the moment when jimmy mcgill who's played by bob odenkirk makes the decision that he's going to turn into saul goodman who is the sleazy attorney that we all know and love from breaking bad um and we learn how he gets the name he says saul goodman it's all good man and now he's saul goodman and so you really see him start to begin that journey more in earnest in this season i've seen the first four episodes and Mm. It's really, really great, and I can't, I can't say enough good things about Ray Seahorn, who plays Kim Wexler, his his girlfriend, also an attorney, trying to do the right thing and sometimes being tempted not to, sometimes by Jimmy and sometimes just for her own reasons. You're uh, working on an article on her. Yes, I'm going to be writing something about her character that uh, will be online at Vulture very soon. Mm. Um, it is a crime that she has still not been nominated for an Emmy for this. Odenkirk has. Uh, the guy who plays Mike has been nominated. Right. What's his face? The guy who plays Gus Fring, whose name is not coming to me, Giancarlo Esposito, yeah, yeah, yeah. has been nominated. She has never been nominated, and she is giving one of the great performances on television in this role. So we can hope uh, that that happens in the future. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Well, that's exciting. I've been, I'm watching Briar Patch mm-hmm. on the USA Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I read about it in Texas Monthly. They said it in a little Texas town. Stars Rosario Dawson. And she goes to this little town because her sister is a policewoman whose uh, police car is blown up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the town is full of characters and odd things have happened. And she's investigating. And uh, all the animals have escaped from the zoo. <laughs> so just to throw that in. As a little color. Okay. They shoot, you know, it's set in Texas, but they shoot it in Albuquerque, Mm. where uh, Breaking Bad is shot. And Better Call Saul. Yeah. Uh, I'm completely confused. (laughs) There's so many characters that I can't follow it anymore. So I don't and know. And it's not that I'll... far. What is this? Like the second or third episode? Yeah. I, <laughs> you shouldn't I'm be just, too confused at I'm, that point. I'm totally, you know, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to continue it or not. I'll probably uh, trade Better Call Saul for mm. this. So let's anything else. Uh, another show I'll quickly mention that starts on Netflix this weekend is called Hentified. Hentified. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's um, it's half hour dramedy, I guess I would say. Maybe a little more comedy than drama, but kind of right there in the middle. Uh, and it's about a family in East Los Angeles where the sort of patriarch, they run a restaurant and he's concerned about maybe losing the restaurant. And it's about sort of the extended family, the cousins, and dealing with gentrification in that part of, of mm. Los Angeles. Mm. Some of it's in subtitles. Because they speak Spanish a lot, but not all uh, of it is. Uh, it reminds me of another show that's really great called Vida. Um, that's also set in East Los Angeles and also about a family with a with a restaurant, oddly enough. But it it's more about queer culture and other things. Um, but those two kind of, I feel like they're companions to each other. And that's uh, Netflix. That's a Netflix show, Hentified. Hey, I heard from the lone emailer... Remember oh, no. the long, really? Bob Spruill. Bob is back. Yes, he heard you talking about William and Mary. 
Jen. Oh, okay. And he wants to remind you to next time include Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. Oh, sure. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. So, Absolutely. He's, I guess he's a, a fellow uh, William and Mary. I didn't mention John Stewart either, so oh. I should have said something about him. Well, and Jen Chaney. Yeah. So there you are. Sure. Well, I went to the University of Texas at Austin. <laughs> Nobody came from there. That's not true. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> so so uh, we have um, Stump Jen is coming up. Oh, goody. But, <laughs> but, I, I hope it's a good one, Garge, because, you know, she's she's pretty good. Should I, should I ask the question now? Ask the question, and we'll take a little then, break, then and then we'll, we'll come our, back. We'll come guest. back, and we'll we'll talk with our guest critic, Kathy Vance, oh, good. the producer good. of that new documentary uh, everybody's talking about, and then uh, we'll we'll have the answer. This is an easy one for Jen, Stump Jen. What is the highest grossing film domestically so far of 2020? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Give it some you- thought. You think about that. (laughs) And we'll be right back after we shamelessly plug Hound Radio here. Hound Radio welcomes you to the weird and wacky world of dogs. A weekly look at what our canine friends are up to. Does owning a dog make you hot? Uh, Nearly three quarters of dog owners say, yeah, it does. They told Rover.com they were more likely to click on someone's dating profile if there was a dog in the photo with them. And nearly half said they'd only be in a relationship with another dog person. Why is that? Well, a big part of the reason is that we think dogs are pretty good judges of character, and someone who's a good pet parent would probably also be a good partner for a person. Half the survey respondents said they spend more time as a couple because they have a dog. It makes them feel more like a family and gain confidence in their general parenting skills. And you thought those big brown eyes and wagging tail were just good for getting treats. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. My dear friend Kathy McCampbell Vance has produced an exciting new documentary entitled Hollywood's Architect, the Paul R. Williams story. I watched it this weekend on PBS. Kathy is uh, someone I worked with for many years at Channel 4, and uh, she is the widow of our dear friend Jim Vance. And please welcome Kathy McCampbell, who is now a producer-director. All right. Yes, thank you, thank you. So nice to be with you all this morning. Well, and congratulations. How did you find out about Paul R. Williams, and what what drew you to this? Well, I'll be honest with you. I This was not my original project. It was originated by my co-producer, co-director, Royal Kennedy Rogers. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite some time ago, Royal decided that she was going to do a documentary on this man who she had done a book party for his granddaughter who had written a book about him. Mm. And when she saw the the magnitude of this man's work and the impact, she decided to do a documentary. After a, a while of working on it by herself, um, she and I had been in contact about it. I'd given a fundraiser for her. She asked me to join her. And um, I actually had known about him. I'd heard about him one time when I went to L.A., 
and discovered that he had done that theme building at the L.A. airport. Oh, wow. And uh, I was quite impressed, but at the time I was still working at NBC and, you know, focused on my job there. So when Royal mentioned this project to me, I jumped on it, and we've been teamed up ever since. He designed some of the most beautiful houses in Beverly Hills and Hancock Park, and he he, uh, designed the addition to the Beverly Hills Hotel, and I was struck that the the uh, writing, the signage on the Beverly Hills Hotel is Paul Williams' handwriting. Hmm. Yes, yes, but the remarkable part of that story is that as an African-American, he was not welcome at the Beverly Hills Hotel hmm. at the time that he designed it. He would meet clients there and have to wait for them to escort him into the restaurant or by the pool in order to have their meetings because of the uh, the racial restrictions. And that's what makes his story uh, that much more compelling because he really defied the odds. And, and as an African-American architect in the 20s, from the 20s to the 70s, he was doing things and, and meeting with people and designing for people who you know, you couldn't even imagine. And as an African-American, that was unusual, to say the least. It's just an amazing story uh, how he uh, came up and uh, and the things he did. And uh, where can we see this? Will this uh, kind of make the rounds of uh, PBS? We found out yesterday that we are on 298 stations. Wow. In, uh, around the country, 85% of the country, um, 100% of the top 25 markets. You can always get it online at pbssocal.org. Oh, it's wow. streaming live, yeah. Well, it's an eye-opening story, and his work is just, is, is beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it's a documentary about beauty and, uh, and overcoming the odds. Yeah, I've got to tell you, one of the joys, in addition to telling the story of this this man who triumphed so wonderfully, one of the joys was being in these houses and talking to the homeowners <laughs> and, and hearing their love for the houses. But to see, I mean, I've never been in the $65 million house before. <laughs> <laughs> And you know you you just can't even can't even grasp what 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 made this happen. You know it's really quite quite stunning. Were all of the homeowners cooperative as far as you know being willing to talk about it? Well, no, not every homeowner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Right. But but we did find some some very willing homeowners who speak of it as if they're speaking of a child. You know, they, they'll point out the oh, look at the workmanship in the corners. And the, I mean, they really they have this reverence for their house. And then there are, of course, the others who are like, no, leave me alone. I just want to live. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> right. right. So, you know, those are the, the challenges you face as you. Uh, but we had a very aggressive associate producer named Sherlyn Caesar, who. She was relentless, and I mean, once she got a bead on somebody, she would hound them until they either caved or threatened the police, one or the other. <laughs> and we can see it on pbssocal.org. Yeah, PBS SoCal was our sponsoring station, and they stuck with us from start to finish. Ah, uh, love it. So they're the sponsoring station, and they're the ones who 
hosted this red carpet uh, screening for us. We had a premiere in L.A. Oh. Uh, it was just, I guess, just last week, golly. And it was Quincy Jones came. Oh, wow. Uh, Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, was there. Uh, Clarence Avant, also known as the Black Godfather. Mm. Um, and Arch, you'll remember Dewey Hughes? Uh-huh, yes, I do. From Talk to Me. Dewey came to our screening. You know, Dewey's uh, story, or the story of uh, of Petey Green. Yes, he produced that movie. So we, we had some local representation at our, our red carpet screening. So that was that was really impressive and, and just thrilling. I mean, I, you know, I never imagined that this would blossom as it had but but the story seems to resonate with people well now kathy whenever we have our friends on the podcast we ask them to serve as our guest critic and so i'm asking you to tell us about a movie you've watched lately that you especially liked so take it away our guest critic kathy mccampbell now producer director hollywood of denison <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, let me say this. I have one. I have one. Mm -hmm. I recently watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, mm -hmm. and it's one of those movies that I never thought I was going to watch, but it was the cheapest one on uh, Netflix. <laughs> so I said, well, what the heck? I'll, I'll just watch it. And I'm going to tell you, I left that movie feeling like I wanted to be a better person mm. because I saw the grace of of Fred Rogers and the the devotion to just being kind and making children's lives better and informing them. And and they really depicted him well. Tom Hanks did an incredible job. Mm -hmm. I mean you, you really felt like you were, were watching Mr. Rogers and it was in the beginning it was a little odd, but what was also nice is that it was not just a biopic about Fred Rogers. I learned that the, the story was based on a writer who had written an article on Fred Rogers for Esquire. And he was a bit of a misanthrope, kind of a miserable guy who, <laughs> through his, his interviews with Fred Rogers, found light in his life. Wow. And so, so it really was a story of inspiration and hope and, and relationships. So I, I would recommend it. Don't run from it, even if it sounds corny. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. And it's always a beautiful day when we talk to you, Kathy. It's so great to connect with you. And congratulations on Hollywood's architect, the Paul R. Williams story, which uh, you can see on PBS stations and download on pbssocal.org. There you go. Thank you for the plug, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. Take care. Enjoy your day, everybody. A longtime friend, Kathy McCampbell Vance, and uh, we certainly wish her well. And she uh, is the widow of uh, Jim Vance, my dear friend. And actually, Kathy McCampbell was the program director of Channel 4 for many years. And uh, if you remember a late-night show I did, it was because of her. So uh, she knows what she's doing. It's a nice documentary. Uh, I want to mention Zoe Caldwell before we get to Stump Jen. Are you familiar with Zoe Caldwell? I know the name. The... Uh, wonderful actress, uh, passed away this week at the age of 86. She won four Tony Awards. 
She um, was most well known for her stage work. And I saw Master Class. Did you review theater when you were at the Post? And I see you at some theater openings. Um, I did that more in my Gazette days. I would go to theater mm-hmm. um, every once in a while. I would go to a show for the Post, but not as not as much. Did you happen to see Master Class? No, I did not. So she plays uh, Maria Callas, giving a class to some students, and you know, revealing her art and her work. And it's one of those things, I've never forgotten it. It was one of the most thrilling performances I've ever seen. And there was a production of Othello with James Earl Jones that played the Warner Theater. And uh, Christopher Plummer was Iago. Oh, wow. And Christopher Plummer stole that show hmm. from James Earl. And I think Zoe Caldwell, uh, I think she had a company that produced it. She was thrilling. She's in the Purple Rose of Cairo. I don't remember her in that, but she's someone to remember, Zoe Caldwell. And uh, we should also say Jeanette Dubois passed away this mm, week. Yes. Who played Wilona on yeah. Good Times. A lot of people loved her. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, she was just in that live staging of Good Times that they did right before Christmas. Mm, she, they brought out a bunch mm. of the former cast members and she looked great. Wow. Seemed like it was pretty unexpected. She was in her 70s, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Stump Jen. Oh, here, here we go. Here we go. Getting an eye roll. Yeah, she's ready. What is the highest grossing film <clears throat> domestic so far of 2020? And you, and you get extra credit if you can name the top three, oh, and you Jesus. don't even have to name them in order. Oh, I probably I can't. I probably can't. Uh, I mean, Bad Boys is in there somewhere. Yes, is that number one? Number one, Bad okay, Boys, hundred eighty three million. Very good. Second yeah. one is a movie that should be close to your heart and mine. Really? Be- yes, <laughs> <laughs> because. We thought it would be the Oscar winner. Oh, right. 1917. 1917 second. Third See, it's hard because I think of that as a last year movie, even though that's not a fair thing to say. Yeah. And the third is Star Wars 9. That's also a last year movie. Yeah. It's so, I mean, I realize it's still making money this year, but you know what? They, did you get that from IMDb? Because I, yeah, I, I could do yeah. a whole podcast on how mad I am about how they redesigned IMDb. <laughs> You don't like the, you don't like the way they did it. No, so, yeah. it's terrible. So we're not stumping Jen. Well, kind of, kind of. Semi stump. So let's see. Any closing thoughts? Well, should we recommend some other things for people oh, for yes. the weekend? I guess. Yes. Well, we kind of did that on the top, but what else? Oh, give them more yes. things. People. More things. Things. You yeah. know, our, our our podcast listeners are like human sponges. <laughs> they they absorb. They soak in all of your recommendations. <laughs> well, my recommendation is that you really listen to Jen Cheney because I am so obsessed with BoJack Horseman. This is from five years ago. Well, it's still, I mean, it just ended. The, yeah, the, the series yeah. just ended. And the beautiful thing about Netflix is that you can go back and watch it from the beginning whenever you want to. But it's it's a terrific show. It's it's brilliant. But although the first season is just, it, you have to kind of wade your way through the first season. But so that's what I, that's what I got for this weekend. BoJack Horseman. So I want to recommend, I talked about this show a few weeks ago called The Outsider on HBO, uh, based on the Stephen King novel, which I was sort of mixed on it in my review, but Mm -hmm. I find myself, I I want to know how it resolves, because I didn't read the book, uh, and so I find myself continuing to watch it, and it 
I do give it credit for being compelling enough that you want to see what happens. Mm. Um, it's got like a, it's at this point got a supernatural thriller vibe going on. Uh, and that airs, I believe it's, it's on either Sunday. I think it's Sunday nights on HBO. I get confused because now they're putting stuff on Mondays, but it's either Sunday night or Monday night on HBO. And you can catch up on demand. Of course. The stuff like yes. that. This is a little bit of a cheat because it doesn't come out until uh, Wednesday, but this is my opportunity to give you a heads up. It's a new Netflix show called I Am Not Okay With This. It's a coming of age show uh, about a teenage girl who seems to, and this is going to make it sound cliche, Mm -hmm. but she seems to have some kind of superpower that she is not aware of. And Mm. I've watched the first couple and I, I think it's really great. Cool recommendation. So if you saw the um, the remake of It that came out a few years ago, mm-hmm. Sophia Lillis was in that. Oh, um, she played Beverly, and yeah. she's she's the star of this. And I I really like her. She the, was the breakout performer of It. Too. I, I think she was. She was also in um, Sharp Objects, and she just I mean, yeah. and, and this is an appeal to my generational heart. But there's something about her. She reminds me a little bit of Molly Ringwald. Ah. So to see her in a coming of age story, just it works for me. And she's also very very good. So. Um, um, that's something to look ahead to for Wednesday. And then for those of people who are trying to like catch up before shows come back, if you've never watched the show Better Things, which is an FX series, that is coming back in March in a few weeks. Uh, and that's also one of my favorites. It's uh, Pamela Adlon, stars in it. Um, she writes and directs most of it. And it's about, uh, sing- it's kind of based a lot on her own experience as a single mom with three girls. She works as an actress and sometimes does voice acting for cartoons. And her mother, who is British, lives right across the street and is constantly just wandering in. And it's just, it's funny. It's it's beautiful. Like, there's no other word for it. It just captures these really human moments that... You know, it's not a ton of plot. It's just, here's what it's like living this life. And it's just really a lovely show. Um, and the three seasons of that that have aired so far are on Hulu. And I'm sure you can find them on demand uh, on FX as well. On the Hulu. The Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you have a nice weekend. And we thank everybody for listening. And Lou? You know, Arch, I wanted to tell you about a... a star sighting oh, oh, I had. You had a brush with fame. A brush with, semi-brush with fame. Uh, we, my wife Wendy and I were out in Palm Springs a couple weeks ago. I just heard a location drop. <laughs> <laughs> and we decided to, uh, we were looking for a little Greek place, nothing fancy, nothing expensive. So we found something in uh, near Rancho Mirage, and it was in a little strip center. And we went inside, and I noticed as we were walking in, there was this big, fancy Mercedes-Benz SUV outside. And I'm a car guy, you know. Yeah. So I, And I just sort of parked that in the back of my mind. Anyway, we sit there. There's like hardly anybody there. We sit down, and sitting behind Wendy is Kim Basinger. Oh, oh wow. With, certainly wow. not Alec, like, uh, some some older gentleman yeah. she was there with. And I, I, kept, I go, She's, that's got to be her. She had no makeup on. Mm-hmm. Her hair was up on a ponytail. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I pull out my phone, and I'm going all over Google trying to get some pictures of her because it looks like she's had some enhancement maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> over the years. And then I finally found a picture, and I'm going like, that's her. And then I said to Wendy, I said, I bet they get into that fancy Mercedes. Yeah. It had darkened out window. Yeah. I mean, it was just yeah. really... And they did, and that was how I'm figuring. That was my little brush with fame. And you were cool. You didn't say anything. Yeah, Wendy just turned around and asked her where the ladies' room was, and that was it. (laughs) So that was our... Was our brush with fame? Oh, Love that's it. Exciting, almost as exciting as a couple months ago when I saw Adam Schiff in the parking garage at Montgomery Mall. That was my <laughs> exciting DC. Adam Schiff. <laughs> Love it. 
I, fo- I found Paul Ryan at the Costco in Wheaton pushing a grocery cart. I'm going, I'm going, so this is what they do when they retire. <laughs> Speaking of retirement, I came up with an idea for a song to end the show on. Oh, good. Last Saturday night, we were hoping to see a new Saturday Night Live. It wasn't on. They had the repeat from late December of Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And I go, Eddie Murphy. Do you remember in 1985, Arch, Eddie Murphy had a number one hit song? Yep. No. And I can sing it. Really? Party all, all the, the time. time. Party. My girl wants to party all the time. Party, <laughs> party all, all the time. time. Party, party all, all the time. time. So I thought we would wrap up our little podcast with a little audio salute to Eddie Murphy's one and only hit song. Our theme song.
This is the Cats Podcasting System.